0: Okay, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to PJ's Black Circle, Episode 9. Can't believe it's our ninth podcast already. Uh, We are going to be doing a two-parter this week and expounding a little bit of what we did last week, which was talking about the grunge scene in its entirety. So I would like to, as I always do, bring in my right-hand man, Mr. Handsome. His name is Wes. How are you doing there, brother?
1: I'm good. You know, thanks for the compliment. That's yeah, nice. well, yeah.
0: Well, I know people can't see me at home, but man, you just look slick, dude. You look like Slick Watts.
1: Just a fresh, yeah, a fresh shave yesterday. <laughs> got me. Man. all I look like Dwayne Johnson, right? The Rock. A little bit yes. like the Rock.
0: Yes, yeah. like minus 180 pounds of right. muscle. So, right. but pretty right. much just like him.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I'm the, yeah. Yeah, That's cool.
0: I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> so hit, hit us with um, the agenda for today.
1: Right. Uh, okay. So, yes, last week we went through kind of our feeling and our understanding of the grunge scene, uh, what that meant, whether it was from musical sound or uh, fashion and attitude and, and the bands that maybe fall into that. And then I think we challenged ourselves offline to find some some songs that we would kind of get into more of the details of which what grunge songs are great, which ones are different for that that we have that we like, that's that we don't like or whatever. What and it would really be a fun idea for us to expand a bit and go deeper on the grunge songs and which ones we really really are close to our heart, and that could be Pearl Jam, it could be other bands too. So. It's, a, again, another way for us to kind of expand our topic uh, and um, deep dive into the grunge songs.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And for the second week in a row, we brought back our very special guest from last week. Greg, big G money in the house. Are you with us, my brother?
2: Yes, sir. Welcome back.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming back. Uh, we are excited to keep trying this little crazy grunge threesome. I know that sounds weird, but we're, you know, we have a lot of different ideas and a different ways to be thinking about this music. A lot of our personalities are very different from each other, but what brings us together is the love for Pearl jam. And this has been a super fun week, especially for me because we are kind of tackling this, this grunge scene, so to speak. And So, man, I was having some crazy nostalgia this past week. I was listening to music. I hadn't. Right. Right. Were you feeling that? I don't know if you were feeling that too. I was digging up some
2: stuff, man, that I haven't heard in probably 20 plus years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get into that. I'm excited to see. Man, I had a lot of different thoughts and emotions coming back and stuff I hadn't really thought about in a long time. So I'm going to kind of lead it off with who we basically determined last week was the quintessential grunge band at the time, which is Nirvana, right? And we talked a lot about them. We talked a little bit about their music. And going back this past week, I was listening to Nirvana's Unplugged. I was listening to... I put in Bleach for the first time in 10 years. I hadn't listened to that whole album, Back to Front, in forever, right? Obviously, put in all the big hits. I was listening to some live stuff. And man, you know, I just really forgotten how fantastic the musical library is. Even though it was done in such a short period of time, it was very short-lived because of Kurt Cobain passing on but I just kept having this feeling of this kind of what if, what if they could have kept going, what would it be? But at the same token, I love me some Foo Fighters, right? Mm -hmm. I love that band and I love me some Dave Grohl. And I just really don't think we would ever get to that, that whole amazing set list of music without these tragedies that took place before. So anyway, my mind was all over the place and I was exploring I don't know, Wes, did you did you kind of seek out a little nirvana at all, or did you kind of go in a different direction?
1: When I was getting into this, I was trying to interject some nirvana, yes. And I kept, and I've always, whether it's manufactured by my own brain, because I'm such a diehard Pearl Jam fan, that it was hard for me to ever really get into nirvana. Sure, I love, like you said, some of the hits, and I was playing around with, one of my favorite ones, which is Rate Me, which is, is an awesome song. Um, Aggressive. Yes. Super. Yeah. And and <laughs> like going through this exercise, I actually, without sharing too much, I actually omitted Nirvana from any one of them, from any one of the songs that I chose today. Sure. And, and I don't know if it was because, like, again, I have such an um, a, a affection to Pearl Jam that I was like, ah, because they're kind of, I kind of see them as kind of rivals, but maybe they're sure. not. But. I, don't know, I just couldn't find it but uh yeah of course again you used to talk about the unplugged like there's some great songs in there but i just could never find myself you know getting into the nirvana stuff but uh, there's sure. some there's some um, what i found which was fun and you talked about nostalgia like there's a few songs that i i went back to this week that are not really like the big high you know pinnacle bands the grunge bands that i uh, i really really enjoy so I, yeah i wanted to get, get your take on some of those you know kind of random songs that I'm going to throw in there.
0: So before we hit all of our songs, because that was like a really fun thing, of course, you know, we were like, hey, let's try and pick five songs or maybe 10. And, you know, I'm listening to dozens and dozens of songs Mm -hmm. all week. And I still don't even know what to make of it all because it was just so fantastic. Did you find any bands or any other music that maybe you hadn't listened to in a while that you're like, Oh, I forgot how great that was. Or maybe something you had never heard before that really took you by surprise that you enjoyed it as much as you did.
2: Um, I did. Yeah, for sure.
0: Oh, you got. Yeah. What do you think, Greg? What do you think?
2: Um, I, I just started going through my old stuff and I found this band. I really loved back in the day and they were called seaweed. They were around, I would say 92, 93, 94. And they're local. They were just really, really good. They had an awesome drummer, awesome guitar player, awesome songs. This one jumped out to me is this it uh, it's called Kid Candy, and I wish we could play clips on this show because
0: I know right, man, this song
2: is so good, and it's just like it just captures that that whole early '90s vibe to the T. You know, it was so good. Damn, I wish we could play it. Um, I know yeah, seaweed. Who, seaweed. who do
0: they? Who do who do they sound like? What do you think? Do they sound like anybody that's kind of of the big four that I'm sure we'll talk about? You know, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Oh, yeah, for
2: sure. They have, you know, kind of like a cross between Nirvana and Alice in Chains kind of, you know? Right, um, right. Grunt Truck, you know, they kind of sound like that. Um,
0: I always love the name of that band. I've never listened to a lot of Grunt Truck, but I mm-hmm. just every time I think it, it just sounds dirty and it sounds rough and it sounds like if i went to a grunt truck show maybe guar would open up for him or some <laughs> crazy thing would have you know what i'm saying so it's like these crazy names i, I just i just love that i love that feel yeah what about you west did you find any kind of
1: new things? sadly um the portfolio that i've really been able to get into is been is the mainstream stuff so that's cool yeah yeah. so it's like you said it's the top four um there's one band that i i pulled into which is i think an australian band silver chair i don't even know like yeah that was one of the things i wanted to bring up today which was does what is it actually is it timing is it the is it the era is it the year that that the that the song or the band was out and this is where we can't even last week, like does that even belong in this conversation?
2: Those guys were kids, man. They were like very young.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or smashing pumpkins. Do they belong into this conversation? So yeah.
2: Smashing pumpkins. Hell yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So I guess uh, a good lead into that is we, we spent a lot of last week talking about what grunge was, maybe what it is, what it's not. When you guys were listening to music this past week, Were you listening to music and starting to feel like, oh, that's kind of definitely falling into this category of this field that we've been talking about? Or for sure, this is not in that category. Did you, Greg, have any kind of feel of that?
2: Yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely pulling Pearl Jam out of the out of the mix again. Right. Say I'm not saying they are the same. They are just different. (laughs) Dude.
1: I, 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 when you said that last week, I was uh, kind of rolling my eyes internally because I was like, no, of course Pearl Jam fits in this, but he's 100% correct. Like when I was listening to some other songs and other bands, I was like, I just don't think Pearl Jam is even should be considered grunge.
2: No, you, you are correct. And too, it's
1: too clean. It's too clean. It's yeah. It's too clean.
2: Absolutely. My thoughts, my thoughts exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it was really funny when I was going back. So, definitely I want to get to the music that we're choosing, but I think sticking with more on the feel for the moment, as far as this grunge sound. So I was definitely exploring a ton of Alice in Chains, a ton of Nirvana, some Soundgarden for sure. Before I get to them, I did kind of pull off of what you guys were talking a little bit last week with uh, the Melvins, which I Mm. really hadn't explored too much. Mm -hmm. And Greg, Dude, I I turned it in. I I know it's not Wes's main jam, but I put it in. I was like, oh, my God, where the hell has this been my whole life? Because I started, like, I could hear so much of the music I love from that. And plus, they're local boys. So I was listening to this song called, uh, because I was just choosing songs based on names. I never heard them. So the first one I chose was called uh, Honey Bucket, which I just, (laughs) of course, I have to put that song in because... (laughs) honey bucket right man they sound like a they sound like pantera dude yeah it's heavy
1: that one's super heavy
0: yeah and so i was like wow this sounds kind of pantera ish to me i was just like wow this is this is good this is kind of that slow dirgy, grungy type Mm -hmm. feel so if i'm using kind of that as the cornerstone for the the sound and the feel and the look that we're going for then I I did take Pearl Jam out because Pearl Jam to me out of the big four, I can just sit back, chill, listen to any Mm -hmm. album, every song, all of all the songs. It doesn't matter what it is. And I can continue to do that no matter what mood I'm in. It makes me feel good. I just can't get enough.
2: Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Then opposing that, if I'm going to go the way of Alice in Chains, which I I'm kind of feeling this past week is my main quote unquote grunge band out of the big four. Man, it is just a lot of <laughs> depression. pain and death <laughs> and depression. And it is currently raining right now in Seattle. So when I was mm-hmm. I was listening to some of this last night, and then I put in some mad season this morning, I'm like, yes, there is. There is a physical response. It is definitely environmentally uh, charged, you know, for a lot of this music. And the music was just so great. And I, I couldn't stop jamming to some of the AIC, dude. It was just so great. And Did you plus, put
2: on Queen of the Rodeo?
0: You know, I put on some Queen of the Rodeo. I put all that stuff on, you right? You had to. You know? And so when I went back to some, some of the songs that are not what I kind of chose to to be my top five or whatever all of them kind of have this word like die or hate in it so i've got <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i got rain rain when i die which is just an amazing <laughs> song and lane is so great uh every song he does and then you have we die young right and then mm-hmm. you got love hate love yeah. and so it really got me thinking and i don't know what your guys take is on this it's a weird thought because what is coming from all this grunge music is a lot of this strife and a lot of this depression, and I know the bands that were really talking about this and singing about it here in Seattle at the time—they're not faking that shit, dude.
2: No, they're it's really hundred real. percent going yeah.
0: through this. And so when they had a lot of the mainstream coming in and saying, trying to label it as, oh, it's a certain style of music, and it's you know, it's a depressing style of music, and and just really trying to put their own spin on it you know i've seen eddie and i've seen chris talking about it in interviews where they're like no this stuff is really going on right and that's why i think they also grew really tight as this musical community because they were all feeling a lot of the same things and experiencing a lot of the same things then you have a ton of listeners that are getting this like god i i felt that before I know Mm -hmm. what this guy's talking about. And it's nothing that they've ever at the time was really pushed out there musically to the extent it was. So the weird thought is it's crazy because the music that especially Alice in Chains is doing in a mad season and that style, how impressive it is that they can make take this topic of something that's so dire and make the song so beautiful and pretty Mm -hmm. and touching. (laughs) Right, yeah. Especially when you combine it with some of Mike are right, in
2: right. your feels. Yeah.
0: So talk talk to me, you guys, a little bit about the feels of that. Is that is that a weird thought that they can make mm-hmm. death and all of this horrible thing sound so
1: great? Yeah. No, I actually pulled two from Mad Season that that really hit on that. So it's "River of Deceit," of course, is a huge mm-hmm. uh, mainstream song super beautiful uh guitar riffs and Ma- mike is awesome in it but lane's you know lane's voice is just it's you know depressing it's sorrow it's sad it's, but it's powerful but you you have a like you said you lean back and you listen to a pearl jam album and you you can. it sounds maybe 20 years ago wouldn't be an easy listen but now it's like it's an easy listen like that's not going to get me too high or too low anymore but if i put on wake up by mad season or river of Deceit, like it's going to put me in a kind of a more somber mood, man. And maybe it's just like you said, it's the voice or it's the, the, the words that are coming out of lane or you could, the passion that's in his voice. Uh, but yeah, I had him. He was, I think he's a big part of it, to be honest. He's a big part of the reason why, what you just talked about is kind of that grunge kind of dirty feeling. Absolutely. What do you think G money?
2: You know, I when I was li- listening to tunes this week, um, I pulled actually I pulled one Pearl Jam song, and I could put it into the grunge category.
1: Oh, what did you pick? I'm I'm super- okay. I'm I'm excited for this too.
2: <laughs> Animal.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: You know that's that's probably the closest you could come to putting them in that category.
1: Okay, I had two that I wanted to put in there, Greg. So. Mm-hmm. Do me, give me a sanity check on this. So I I put porch, <laughs> okay, and state of love and trust.
2: Those are both on my list. Of, uh, okay, I, put, I have I have my Pearl Jam list and I have my my grunge list, and both of those are on mm-hmm. my uh,
1: my. Okay, so we're not too far off there. Yeah, right, right. But Animal for sure.
0: Yeah, I would say I am a hundred percent on board with Animal, and I was thinking about the song Blood. So when Eddie yeah. is just screaming mm-hmm. and just really yep. tearing through that, those would be my kind of top two ideas. If I had to pull something from 10, it's very difficult because I don't get any Allison Chains, old school Soundgarden, Nirvana type feel from anything on that mm-hmm. album. Right. I think Deep is a really hardcore song. And I think Mike just shreds and tears apart the guitar on that. So, Mm -hmm. but again, it's like you say, Wes, it's, it's so clean. It's so precise. I, 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 I've been thinking of that quote you said all week about how Kurt Cobain was saying that Pearl Jam's just too good at playing their instruments and therefore would not into this category. Mm -hmm. And damn, dude, you hit the nail right on the head because.
1: Not my words. They were Kurt's. I know, but you right, right.
0: yeah, yeah, but you know, the sample that we're talking about, it was it was uh, you know, that was always kind of at the forefront.
1: So then with that, you would almost have to take out any Temple of the Dog or any Mad Season because you're getting Mike. Well, right. that's right. that's kind of what I wanted to talk about a little bit is
0: because when I put in Mad Season and I was listening to a bit of that, it definitely checks a lot of boxes for this grunge atmosphere that we're talking about, whether it's lyrically, musically, the emotional response
1: that you get when you're but listening it, but
2: to But it's this too pretty thing. though, really.
1: That's what I'm saying, yeah. right? So that's long also, gone day. Long gone day with some It's sax. got some yeah, really cool that. Yeah, yeah. That
2: saxophone, you got some like yeah. little chimes and shit going on in the background, yeah. you know?
0: Yes. All that. But I mean, the like, but the topic and the the lyrics that they're they're talking about is straight from what you would hear in a Nirvana song or an Alice in Chains song, but they make it sound beautiful, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of the, how do you say, just kind of the the complex the monster, the, yeah. the, sad, the sad mystery we're trying to the break swirl. through. It. And yeah. we might not even be able to kind of put this Rubik's Cube back together right mm-hmm. now that we've kind of started opening it and changing all the shapes, mm-hmm. but... When I hear Lane, man, I I don't care if it's mad season because the way he is singing and the way he is transforming the music for the listener to hear, it's just otherworldly. And then if you want to add another layer on top of that, when Mike McCready put on that show at the Paramount, what, six years ago now, and did that Sonic Evolution concert. Oh yeah. Where they- doing mad season but it was chris cornell yeah that's right fronting that that's another oh my god i mean it's just to hear him sing lane staley music it is just eerie and it's just Mm -hmm. it makes the hair stand up on my arm and it's a whole like i get the same feelings that i would hear when i would listen to lane but then you have a different then you got the chris cornell spin on it and then i start going down the chris cornell rabbit hole and then i start going in a sound garden so yeah, yeah those so,
2: those aren't happy songs either
0: they're totally not
1: no. happy songs okay okay so what <laughs> about this one greg yeah so i think we all agree that lane's voice provides that grungy kind of sorrow kind of right. atmosphere right that mm-hmm. fits in that space but Allison chains has a lot of songs where jerry's singing yeah jerry cantrell yeah. so mm-hmm. does that change your do those songs fit as well as with Lane singing it? Yeah. Or does it matter? I think
2: so. I think because it's, uh, it's that unit, that Alice in Chains unit is, it's a, It's a, it's all part of that swirl thing.
1: Right. And because I even, you know, I even had on my list, of course I put Man in the Box, which is uh, probably, again, probably more heavy metal, but um, to this extra, maybe it's the most appropriate grunge song that they have. I don't know. Angry um, Chair
2: is pretty good.
1: Angry Chair is yeah. really good. Uh, but I wanted. I was tempted to put on "I Stay Away," uh, mm. but that's mm-hmm. such a beautiful guitar that I was like, "Ah, this can't fit." It's such a beautiful mm-hmm. guitar riff. It's beautiful.
2: Can't grunge be beautiful? That's the question.
1: I guess that's
0: kind of what we're getting to, and I think that there are definitely a ton of songs that give me that feeling where you almost get a little choked up, or you, mm-hmm. you know, you start to have this kind of you know, crazy emotional feeling. And that is the beauty about not only the podcast that we're doing, but the three of us kind of coming together and talking about this, because I know growing up a lot of times as a adolescent, young teenager, things just aren't making sense. Yeah, I was super lucky to have family to, to lean on and things like that. But I also had my music family that would take care of me through my headphones. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Eddie was helping me out. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, (laughs) so many, so many, so many other bands were, were helping me out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I know we're all, we're all over the place, but when we have this kind of musical, this super group, you know, this kind of mad season and temple of the dog, and you have that rhythm section sound of a Pearl jam, but then you mix it with completely different frontmen that are able to do so many crazy things with their voice. It still is grungy to me. You have to pick some of the like dirgiest songs out of there, like the dirty ones, like they're mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. But I think once they started exploring and doing a lot of these kind of side projects, you know, they had the freedom to pretty much do whatever they want. And as an artist, you know, they don't want to keep replicating the same things all the time. They want to keep it fresh. You know, Chris Mm -hmm. Cornell would always say trying to keep it fresh. And the hardest part about Soundgarden is you've got four guys with very, very different ideas on how they hear music and their influences on what drives them to be musicians. And that was the hardest part about their band was forming that and putting that all together. So you can just see how difficult of a time we're having just trying to figure out what is and what is not in that category. But it's all feel right yeah. it's all going with your gut and what makes you kind of have that feeling deep down in the pit of your stomach like oh this is a happy song or this is a really depressing song and you know at least we can yeah. figure out the difference which is pretty good what what else you got west cuz i'm interested to hear hit me with some of your okay. songs okay that so that you were kind of choosing for right. top grunge songs
1: and again for me this was difficult because i was trying to put it in the right box but now that we talk about it i'm giving myself a pass on all of these because (laughs) i think at the end of this i can come out of this conversation and say grunge to wes is not dirty or not grungy it's is it have a powerful lyric does it have a powerful kind of vocal does it have a, a beautiful guitar so for instance i chose disarm from smashing pumpkins which is super mm. like, super beautiful yeah i'm not a huge billy corgan fan but uh that song gives me the chills it did, what does it do for me emotionally like that's really where i found myself like that song gives me the chills every time i hear it it's got a beautiful
2: mm-hmm. um the bells on the in the background
1: oh uh, yeah so that was one that I, I, I kind of pulled from my past and then i mentioned Silver Chair. Uh, the song Tomorrow, uh, which I don't know if it has a lot of play anymore, but just another really, really great song that I'd like to listen to that, again, maybe doesn't fit in this conversation, but to me it does. And then, um, of course, I, I, had, I had, couldn't help myself to put some Pearl Jam songs in there. But uh, for me, like, again, it's what does it do for me emotionally? And those songs are, in my opinion, yeah, awesome.
0: It's cool. You picked some Smashing Pumpkins because I am a big Smashing Pumpkins fan, especially throughout the 90s. Right. I've kind of lost track of them a little bit over the past decade. I know they're trying to they've been putting a lot of their original band members together and they're actually are talking about doing another double album that's going to come off of Melancholy and Infinite Sadness. So they're 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 putting a ton of material together. But They're also extraordinarily good at their instruments. And -hmm. when I hear James Eha playing, and when I hear Chamberlain on the drums, I know Darcy doesn't play the bass anymore, but when you hear James and Billy doing that double guitar back and forth, man, they're making some crazy melodies that can be very, very grungy, right? I I definitely Mm -hmm. get some of that feel as well from them, Uh, as opposed to... Greg, you brought up when you hear this kind of magic mix of Jerry and Lane singing, right. you don't get a lot of grunge where you have two guys basically duetting in songs and they do it quite frequently. That is a whole nother amazing level of why I'm kind of putting Alice in Chains up at the top of my list because they're they're doing so many different things. They have some Beautiful slow songs. They have some songs you can definitely stream on the radio and they can get a lot of airplay. They got some really gritty music. They can duet, you know, and they can do all these different things. So I didn't really get that much variance from, say, like a Nirvana, which it could just be the three piece, you know, that could be a product of that. Right. But when I was listening to a lot of Nirvana this past week, even though you know, when you think of top guitarists, you usually don't put Kurt Cobain in there. But for the music they were doing, he was doing quite a fine job in the songs that he was putting out, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So... A
0: lot of power chords. A lot of power lot. chords.
2: Mm-hmm. All yeah. power chords. <laughs>
1: That's it. Yeah. yeah, it's
0: totally all power chords, dude. But when you get back to Smashing Pumpkins, they got a lot of power chords as well, too. I, I was thinking putting a little, you know, Smashing Pumpkins in there, but I just kind of kept... I was like they weren't dirty enough for me. Right. I was no. Like and they I, just weren't dirty enough. Like I said,
1: it. I I preface my because I I think I violated the rules of, of my selections. Because, you can violate whatever yeah. you want, they're big man. Okay. Does does hunger strike <laughs> fall in this conversation? Probably not, but I put no. it on the list. Probably not. Yeah,
0: but. yeah. That's another like beautiful song, right? right? right. The it way that
1: you've the got two that. duet, you have the two duet, yeah. you have uh Mike again with the with the beautiful riff. So,
0: Mike McCready's kind of like the he's, li- he's kind
1: of yeah, like a glue. Guy. He's the guy. Yeah.
2: He's got his fingers in everybody's pie.
0: Yeah, and that is so amazing. Like if you think of the, especially in the time frame he was doing it, you've got Mad Season, you've got Temple of the Dog, you've got Ten, you've got Verses, and you've got Vitology. Kind of all around the same time, like. Holy crap, dude, how much music was built up in this guy that he just had to get it out mm-hmm. and to still be able to create if I was gonna go top grunge guitarist that's that's tough. It's like is Mike a grunge guitarist or do I put him above Jerry Cantrell and Kim Thyle like what do you think, Greg?
2: Uh, I don't know, man that's t- that's a tough one. Do um... I put
0: Mike above Jerry and Kim? Right?
2: Well, as far as skill, yes. As far as like the sound that he makes, um, I think uh, Kim is probably the, uh, I would say the best grunge guitar player there is.
0: Yeah, he's amazing. He's dude. got it. And it's so cool. I love the the diversity that you know Kim brings to the table. Because literally this morning I was like, I'm looking at him and I'm like, where's this guy from, right? And his parents are from India. Mm-hmm. And so his dad was like a molecular biologist, and his mom was a piano teacher. Talk about like a crazy divide between the two. But sprang from that is this very intelligent, musically gifted guitarist that was able to bring everything from you know the crazy shrieking sound and Jesus Christ pose Mm -hmm. right to give me another one. You know, black hole sun fell on black days. Fell on black days, right and. Okay, Wes, so give me another one on your song list. Hit me with something else that was cool. Because the last, you know, Disarm was very unexpected.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I mentioned it uh, Wake Up from Mad Season, which is the first song on that, that album. Um, Man of the Box, of course, um, huge mainstream song for Alice in Chains. Yep. And I even mentioned River of Deceit. So, um, And then I had a few Pearl Jam songs in there. Uh, so I, I did choose state of love and trust and alive, but these are for me, violators of the, <laughs> of the, <laughs> of the game. So, so, um, why don't we, uh, why don't you give me some of yours, you know, cause again, I've kind of, I think I stayed in my lane as far as maybe my palette okay. uh, versus maybe the appropriate of the exercise to be frame. Okay.
0: All right. I'll give you guys one. Right. So in my top five. I'm going to go first song off of Allison Chains' first album, Facelift, in 1990, okay? So I'm going to go with Grind. Now, first time I put in Facelift, AIC's first album, you put it in, you crank it up, and out comes this first song, and man, it just hits you in the mouth. And it is so raw, and it's just like, wow, this song is... Is a game changer because it ain't your average, you know, like Kip Winger's, she's only 17 (laughs) type song, right? You know what I'm saying, dude? So we've gone in a completely different direction from, you know, this kind of 80s fantasy of what it's like to be a rock star to some some real life shit going down. So I had to go first album, first song, Alice in Chains, because it's just, man, it just it just hits you hard. And what an amazing first album they put out 1990 and it's interesting. And I'll get to this here in a minute. Cause I want to hear one of Greg's uh, momentarily explain kind of what else was going on in the music scene in 1990 and why this album was a game changer. But before we go there, Greg hit me with maybe one of your top five grunge songs.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with um, mud, honey, suck you dry.
0: Yes. That's Good just so call. dirty.
2: And it's, you know, <laughs> even the title, what, it just sounds dirty. What
0: are they talking about? I, t- I can't even imagine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. I mean, it's a good song. Like I said, I wish I wish we could play it.
1: I know. I know. I hear you. Nino, Greg, you guys watched the movie Singles, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. And C- Citizen Dick is the band. Uh-huh. That, uh, <laughs> and of course, Ed is the drummer. I think Jeff is still <laughs> the bass. Uh, but their their main song is Touch Me I'm Dick. Touch Me I'm Dick. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I didn't realize but like that movie was put out in like the like 1992 or 91
2: 93. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. But then Mudhoney I think had a song called Touch Me I'm Sick. Yeah,
2: that was their uh, Which her was big in one. like
1: 95, like 95. So mm-hmm. I wonder if they stole that from the movie singles.
2: Uh, that song is actually was pre uh singles. Was that pre-singles?
1: Yes. Okay. All right. All right, my bad. Yeah. It was so maybe yeah. Cameron Crow stole it from Mark Arm then.
2: Well, you know what, Cameron Crow, Crow was living up here and hanging out with all those guys. He was he was uh actually he's married to Nancy Wilson. from I know. And uh, he's been up here. If you yeah, you saw Pearl Jam twenty right? And he's right. He he's been up here for years, and he saw all that scene.
0: I don't think I, I don't think they're married anymore, but yeah. For you know, oh, when, yeah. I, when I watch the old Heart videos, I'm like, yeah, I um, get me on some some Nancy, dude. She's awesome. <laughs> she just she's super hot. She slays the guitar. She kicks like David Lee Roth. She plays like Jimmy <laughs> Page. I mean, that is just yes. All right, just put put that on my list right there for sure.
2: Uh, another one, another song I had was uh, Nirvana's "Love Buzz." I have love buzz. I came, up with, I came yeah. up with that one because that's probably the happiest. Well, the I wouldn't say happy, but it's like the most uplifting Nirvana right. song I could come I could find.
0: <laughs> right, right,
2: and it's really not all that happy.
0: <laughs> no, I know, but you know, I did put that in, not in my top five, but that was one of my side ones for you that, know Nirvana. That,
2: that was my uh, number six, actually.
0: Oh, good one! I am glad you brought up Mud Honey because you know what's important with those guys is Wes knows this guy, a little dude named Matt Lucan, right?
1: Yeah. He, oh, yeah. he
0: is also a glue that holds a lot together because he was in the Melvins. He was in Mud Honey, He's mm-hmm. sung about in Pearl Jam, Lucan song, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just really another cool, small little example of these people that are holding this fabric together that we call Northwest music at the time or the grunge scene. So what I found interesting is when I believe when, uh, Nirvana cut their album bleach, it's historically famous for being made for 600 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it was produced for. And so at the time you had a member of the Melvins playing on the drums who introduced Dave Grohl to Kurt and Kurt Cobain and Kurt Nova And so another cool example that even the demos of that particular album, you know, you had different musicians and the, you know, you can imagine the scene, you go to a show, you introduce them to someone else. You'd be like, yeah, this guy's, they're making a band. You'll probably like them. And, and they end up just exploding all over the place. So I, I just don't get the feel And I don't hear a lot of other stories from other parts of the United States where people will just share musicians and share ideas because it's all about how can I get to number one first instead Mm -hmm. of helping people move their craft along. Does that make sense? And that
2: album was produced by Jack and Dino, which he was in a band called Skin Yard, uh, which later on became Grunt Truck. How about that?
0: There you go. See, that's what we're talking about. Uh, what else you got, Wes, before I unload some of my stuff here?
1: Well, I guess as I led off with, um, if we were to try to pull one from the Nirvana tree, again, for me, it was mainstream. I was like, well, oh, I love Smells Like Teen Spirit, but that's right. so um, so worn out. Um, for It was it was Rape Me was the only song that I could really kind of identify. Like, I really like this song. I really need to put this on my list. And then it actually got the alternative. It got bounced from the list. but. Um, it's it,
0: it's a funny uh, funny choose from you because you know as as we learn uh, about each other's musical tastes more and about each other's personality, I would have never if you're like <laughs> yo Nino, I dare you to choose my top kind of Nirvana song. I would not have chosen that song. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it has a very smells like Teen Spirit sound to it. Oh, uh, for at sure. least the intro does. Um, yeah, just always. Probably because it's the power, like the very, it's like the climax of the end there, where he's just kind of letting everything, like, just screaming at the top of his lungs, kind of. It's, it sounds great too. It's lyric, it's uh, just sounds doesn't sound like it'd be an appealing song, but right, yeah, I've always right. Kind of always liked that one. Absolutely. What about
0: you, Greg? What other good nuggets do you have for us?
2: Uh, Green River, uh, "Swallow My Pride." Nice, that's a good one.
0: So, tell us a little bit about who was in Green River.
2: Uh, that was a uh, Steve Turner, Mark Arm, Jeff Ament, and Stone.
0: Yeah, yeah, Stone. Not not a bad little not a bad little list there.
2: Yeah, and how they that actually Andy was in uh, Malfunction at the time when those guys were playing, and that's how they got together. They you know Green River broke up and Malfunction broke up and Mother Love Bone was formed.
0: Yeah. Amazing. The rest is history. I was listening to a little Mother Love Bone this morning, and it's just, you know, again, what could have been, right? And, you know, Andy's voice was just such a crazy, good mix of so many different feels. When I was lucky enough to go see Temple of the Dog uh, when they kind of did their reunion shows here in Seattle, you know, they were doing, you know, Chris was, you know, he was talking a lot about Andy, of course, because that's, kind of the main reason they cut that album in the first place but when i heard chris do stardog champion man he was he was killing it dude and and even though i didn't listen to a lot of mother love bone at the time someone else's performance definitely spurned me on to more of this music which just was kind of my goal coming in doing a podcast anyway is I know what I like, but I also want to figure out some new stuff and kind of what's out there. What have I missed? You know, where, where can I take these kind of new opportunities for this music and find something new? So even though mother love Bone's been around for their music's been around forever. And so of the Melvins, they were kind of my top two that kind of stuck out for this past week, being able to explore this kind of new
1: arena. It was, it was just really cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know, I got one for you. So Mother Love Bone and Andy Wood, he has a very, his voice, I don't think his voice really caters to the grunge sound that we know today or that we are really going into.
2: Oh, it's, it,
1: it sounds it's more love like rock, 80s baby. rock. Yeah, it sounds more like 80s rock.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, it, and so. He, he wanted to be David Lee Roth for sure.
1: Right. So I, wanted, I would challenge you to say, you know, does. Does that? Does Mother Love Bone even? Is it? Is that more like Guns and Roses?
2: Right. Mm,
1: well, I get,
2: I get, I, I get where you're going with that, and I understand it, but I don't think, I don't think it was quite Guns and Roses. I
1: no, no, no.
2: it was. Uh, I guess,
1: mean, I guess I'm only thinking of um, the the the, vo- the vocals of Andy Wood, mm-hmm. and yes. and yes. my guy, uh, Axl Rose,
0: yeah. I don't have Mother Love Bone as being grungy to me at all. So when I was going over some of their top seven, eight hits this morning, you know, I was like, no, this definitely isn't grunge at all. It was, a, it is, it's the love rock baby. And it mm-hmm. sounds, and it sounds great. And it's, uh, it's a little more uplifting, a little more catchy, even though some of the lyrics are not uplifting, but Appetite for Destruction is, is its own animal. Like that album mm-hmm. was so huge. So and what so is that fun.
1: then? That's, that's not Love Rock, that's not I'm go- rock is I, it? No, I'm no. going
0: Hard Rock for sure, okay. you know, because okay.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. it's not quite heavy metal. Well, this is kind of a good segue because when grunge really started to pop off 1990, 91, 92, I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of feel for the landscape. OK, so I was doing a little research and I was doing some top albums for, say, like 89 and 90. So there's top rock albums and then there's like the billboard albums. So some of the top rock albums at the time or what they would call rock would be Aerosmith's Pump, Mm -hmm. Beastie Boys, Paul Boutique, right? The Cult, Sonic Temple, Faith No More, The Real Thing, Lenny Kravitz, Let Love Rule, Let Love Rule, Motley Crue's Dr. Feel Good, Chili Peppers, Mother's Milk and Skid Row, Skid Row. So when you kind of put a lot of that music together, nothing in there has the sound that Alice in Chains had when they came out or when Nirvana came out. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So they, that's what's cool is they made it their own thing. And they certainly weren't the billboard top charts. So, Some of your guys' favorites, I know, would be in here would be uh, Janet Jackson, Uh uh, Millie Vanilli, New Kids on the Block, Bobby Brown, Tone Loke, Madonna, and Bon Jovi's New Jersey. So just gives you guys a little taste of what's going on in 89 in the mainstream and in the rock scene. And then you have this Northwest sound, which is emanating from this corner of the universe, that is driving this huge divide right in the middle of the two, right? Then, when you guys get into 1990, you've got a whole different subset of hard rock going on that I do enjoy. Greg will get down on some of it. It might not be Wes's jam, but you've got some huge face-melting albums coming out, uh, the least of which is... Jane's addiction, Ritual Day, Low, Habitual, but then you've got Judas Priest, Painkiller,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Megadeth, Rust and Peace. Yes, you've got Pantera's Cowboy from Hell. Oh yes, you've got Suicidal Tendencies, uh, Hell Lights Camera Revolution, and you have got Slayer's Season of the Abyss, dude holy crap in 1990, right? Right. I mean, that's a whole different Lollapalooza.
2: Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? The, the, right? It, it was demanding change from all that other stuff. The scene. For I, sure. I think, you know, the whole rock scene was ready for a change, and we could see it evolve right then and there in one year.
1: Yeah. All right. So, so the love rock, or the, I would call it the butt rock era, uh, at its height, wasn't like Metallica even... I mean, they were around during that time too. Mm-hmm. They were kind of walking parallel. Yeah. The black so album came out in
2: 90, I think. Yeah. But you had
1: ride the lightning. Was it ride the lightning even before the black album? No. Oh, oh yeah. For sure. That was like yeah. 81, right. So, 82. Right. So you yeah. had, you had a, a wide range of rock, even in the eighties mm-hmm. that would cater to, like you said, Pantera or Queensryche or these guys. And then you have the love rock scene. So, but you're right, right. Greg, like, in 1990, something needed to change,
2: and yeah. it was like everybody was everybody was sick of the uh, the the hair, but yeah, the hair bands were they were out of control, and they needed someone needed to slap them in the face, and it was <laughs> yeah. and it was fucking Nirvana that did it, and they 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 didn't know what to do. They were like, oh, now what? We can't do that. We can't. That doesn't go with our image and our thing. You know, they couldn't change on a on a dime. So they were just out. Record companies were like, you're done next Nirvana. Yeah. Let's go. Let's find them.
0: Reminds me of that scene in the movie, Detroit rock city, where they're like, these assholes gotta be stopped. Right. You know, and they're uh-huh. just like, you know it's like, you gotta stop this music. And boy, did Nirvana stop it because they did. Whenever, when Nevermind blew up and, and I, I think the three of us don't really fall into, you know, kind of what billboards top charts is popping off. And, You know, it's not kind of really the style of music that we're discussing on this particular podcast. But as far as getting into the mainstream, Nevermind was the Game Changer. Yeah. So at year end in Mm -hmm. 92, that was number three. Okay. And the only people do you guys know you want to take some guesses? The Uh, Michael
2: Jackson would have to be in there somewhere.
0: It is. One is Michael Jackson and the other one. I, I wouldn't have guessed, but I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Prince? No? Nope. Garth Brooks. More... Garth Brooks. Wow. Are you cheating? No. <laughs> no,
2: no, no. I just, I was just thinking. Garth Brooks was on the number one chart for, I don't want to say, like, months.
0: Yeah, he was. And then
2: Michael Jackson was right there bobbing right with him.
0: Yep. Uh, so, hey, man, you know, we did pretty good it, up here in the Northwest to, to get really close to, to number one. But you know what? Garthy Brooks and MJ, those, those are, those are some strong contenders. You know, you want to take down the champs. I mean, they had a good run at it, but it's like, it was close. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, then, you know, you think what's going on into 93, then you'll actually start to see a little bit more of the grunge scene breaking more into the top 20. You've got uh, Pearl Jam's 10 finish number eight you've got STP's core finish number 10. And then you've also got PJ's versus finish number 15. So, you know, a huge, even though it's just three bands, but it is a huge shift putting that style of music into this kind of mainstream radio airplay. But as we all know, most of the music that we're talking about today is never going to hit the radio. It's not going to be unless you're just on a rock station, but it's, it's not top 40, you know, it just never will be for sure. Um, I have some cool songs. So some of my, you know, this will be kind of a good thing to kind of finish on is if I'm going to pick, which was hard. Some of my top five, maybe six grunge songs that really got me into grunge or just kind of, like I said, hit me in the mouth, a, a feel I wasn't expecting. I, I do have actually three from Alice in Chains. So I do have Man in the Box up there. Yeah. Now, man. that song, when it came out, the just the intro power chord, man, it gets me moving. It gets me driving fast on the highway. Uh, it's just, I, I, I crank it. And Lane, when he's singing, what, what's crazy to me about Lane, he doesn't almost seem like he's singing from his gut. It's all like his throat and up. Very throaty, like, yes. It's like all here, but it's so effortless. Like in the videos I watch him singing where he's just unloading, it seems very effortless to me the way he's getting the sound to come out as opposed to when I see Eddie singing, he's got veins popping out of his neck, his oh, face yeah. is turning red, right? He's, he's pushing from all over his body. Chris, on the other hand, is just like a natural... Effortless. It's, it's crazy that guy's range is all over. I mean, his whole body is coming out vocally. It's almost he like... He sings
2: from his eyes.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, dude. It's like, it's the feel you get when you listen to Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan. Just this electricity just coming out of someone. But for him, it's just coming out of his voice. So don't get me started on Chris because I'll <laughs> go off for a whole another hour. So I have Man in the Box. I have Grind. So I talked about that. I also have Them Bones, which is going to be the first song off the Dirt album in 92. And man, they just really stuck with this hardcore sound. And I've seen Alice in Chains, but I've only seen them obviously with William Duvall. Uh, You know, Wes kind of talked about Alice in Chains 2.0 very briefly. Ah, yes. And I love it and it's, it's so hard when Allison Chains 2.0 first came out it's everyone's going to have a knee jerk reaction it's just there's no way you can do it you cannot replace that
1: he's a close second to Lane though i mean he he sounds just like lane oh yeah oh, for sure
0: yeah and he is amazing on stage he's got a fantastic stage presence as well he's super entertaining and he sounds fucking good, dude. And even some of the more recent albums, uh, the latest one, the Rainier Fog album that Alice in Chains put out. Yeah. That is getting back to some grungy, rainy day feel for sure, right? But in the beginning, when, you know, the new Allison Chains 2.0 came out, it was just like, man, I don't know if this is going to be good. It's the same thing. It's like, Adam Lambert is fronting for Queen. But you know what, dude? He's been doing it for like 12 years now. And he sounds freaking awesome. And he's super good in person. And he puts on an amazing show. So I guess where I'm getting at is I don't think Soundgarden is going to have that. I don't think you can get someone that can have that type of range to do those type of songs as opposed to... You could probably get someone to sing a Nirvana song pretty well. You can get someone to sing an Alice in Chains song pretty well. But to be able to do Hands All Over is another one in my top five for Soundgarden, right? Or Birth Ritual. No Uh, one's going to be able to do that stuff. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Aside from that, I'd say my top um, Soundgarden one that really came to mind is probably the first one I really remember being popular, which is Outshined. And it's just... Another beautiful song. What about song. Jesus
2: Christ Pose? That's a great one.
0: I Well, I love Matt Cameron's drumming on that song. Mm-hmm. It's just the uh, most amazing drum line I've heard in any of Soundgarden's song, because he just mm-hmm. has to tear it up. Yeah, Jesus Christ Pose, that's got some shrieking, dude. I mean, that's mm-hmm. got some big-time shrieking going on in there. I ain't never going to. That is not my karaoke song. Not nope. even close. <laughs> not even close dude you know so but those are those are ones that really stood out to me and and some of them you just don't hear on the airwaves but you know someone that's listened to a lot of this music uh, those are ones that really kind of set the tone for the feel of this music if that makes sense yeah you guys got any other cool nuggets or topics well, this, is, um, this is
2: this is the only thing i would say uh, just for you guys that that don't know a lot of these older bands uh, like seaweed and, and mud honey and skin yard and grunt truck and green river, go back and check them out. Go to Apple music. They're all on there. Yeah. Check it out.
0: And I definitely will, because I haven't checked any of that out. I did find myself uh, going back and listening. Well, I always listen to black Sabbath, but I was definitely listening to it a little bit more
2: this week. Oh, and the gets check out the gets.
0: Oh, and the gets. Yeah, Absolutely. Do you hear any like Black Sabbath and any of those songs you just mentioned or are they kind of their own different kind of feel
2: of uh, uh, the the bands I just mentioned? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Skin Yard for sure. Grunt Truck for sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay,
0: cool. Well, you got to throw Ozzy in there at least once a show because, you know,
1: Ozzy rules. Right? <laughs> no, so, I mean, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <yes>, so good. <laughs> That's my cue. That's my cue to leave uh he's like
0: and with that we are signing yeah, off
1: yeah,
0: signing um that's <laughs> okay we got we got a long life ahead of us we will turn you around one day it's gonna be
2: great uh, <laughs> and by the way uh randy rhodes uh death day was just on the 19th so
0: man how old i wonder was rhodes that guy could to be yeah randy rhodes could definitely man that guy could shred the guitar i think one day we'll all have to talk about like some of our top guitarists and kind of go from there so okay well i think uh that's a good place to end and with that that has been uh the final conclusion to our two-part series on the grunge sound uh with me as always my best bro wes my best bro greg really appreciate you guys and uh look forward to maybe doing something uh next season when we come back
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. All
0: right.
2: Sounds good. Keep on rocking.
0: Keep on rocking.